0: Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and joining me on today's show is writer, director, actor, he really does a little bit of everything when it comes to film, Mr. Kyle Couch. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great, Derek.
1: Thanks for having me today.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we were just talking before we started, because you're, you're located up in, in Michigan, and I'm down here in, in Florida. And I, the summers cannot be more different, in my opinion. I mean, I know it's, it's warm up there where you guys are at, but we're like in the heart of summertime here in Florida. And it's, you know, I can't get to my mailbox without sweating. It's, it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine that. I mean, it's it's a little sweaty up here, I'm not going to lie, but uh, yeah, going to get the mail and, and sweating while you're doing it, that doesn't sound
0: too fun. Yeah, I feel like I burn at least 20 calories and two pounds of sweat whenever I just walk outside, <laughs> so it's, it might be a decent workout program, who knows. But um, so, hey, as I said, you're, you're located up in, in Michigan. Are you a lifelong native of Michigan?
1: I am, you know, originally, um, I'm actually located, uh, in, uh, close to Detroit, but I did grow up a little bit down river, um, initially. So I grew up just surrounded by the woods and cornfield and dirt roads and all that stuff. So now I'm a little bit more city located, but, uh, initially, yeah, it was, I kind of lived out in the boonies, if you will. And I think it...
0: You know, depending on your circumstances, I think growing up in a small town can be you know a good thing. I grew up in one myself, and it's something that that I wouldn't trade. And kind of like you, i I kind of live more city based now, but you know i i I appreciate small town roots.
1: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think it it inspired my imagination from the get go. so. Yeah, it, it's definitely there's there is definitely a small part of me that, that misses that and, and kind of hopes one day to maybe relocate my family to a similar situation. But uh, unfortunately, it's not in the card at the moment. So, yeah,
0: you never know how things are going to work out. But uh, mentioning, you know, growing up in a small town kind of sparked your imagination was the desire to be a filmmaker. Was that something that was instilled in you at an early age?
1: Yeah, you know what, I mean, I think storytelling to a degree was, you know, I know it's kind of cliche to say that, but, um, you know, it's funny, people ask me sometimes, you know, did you always want to know you want? did you always know you wanted to make films, and, you know, I I didn't necessarily know that was the medium that I wanted to kind of tackle. I knew that I was kind of uh, arty, and I liked to express myself creatively, and you know make little books and stuff like that growing up but you know filmmaking just seemed like such a it was almost like wanting to become an astronaut you know it, it just it felt like something that was so far from reach that um you know there's there's really no point even kind of entertaining that thought and uh you know I just remember though when I was a kid and I would it's kind of funny I would I would Play with these little Jurassic Park toys, and when I was growing up, that was kind of the big movie. And so I'd go out in my backyard and I'd play with them. But right before I did, I'd write little credits on on uh, lined notebook paper, and uh, I would drop the credits in front of my face, almost like the credits at the beginning of a movie. And uh, and then I'd play for. I, I would set up all the the action figures and whatnot all over the place in the yard. And then I would go from scene to scene to scene and play for almost exactly two hours. And it's just funny looking back at that. Of course, at the time you're like, I'd like the movie Jurassic Park. And I, I, I want to make it as much like that as possible, but kind of looking back, I always think maybe it was in me. I just didn't really know it at the time. And, and so when I got a little bit older and got in high school and started kind of playing around with video editing, and that's when it kind of took off, the digital video editing, um, you know, software and whatnot. Um, I really kind of got into it, and uh, really the rest is history.
0: Yeah, Jurassic Park's not a not a bad film to to idolize growing up. I've never heard of someone writing out the credits. Yeah, and incorporating that, that that's, that's awesome. that That's really fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I wonder, I see some of these movies now and there's this weird kid playing by himself and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I think that was me. <laughs> so my mom's like, no, you were, no, you were a good little boy and, and you did good. And, um, and then she gets a little deeper and she's like, well, you, I guess you were kind of quiet. And I'm like, well, there's either become a filmmaker or a serial killer. So I guess, Becoming a filmmaker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one, I think, is is a little bit better of an option than the other. But you you bring up a good point, you, you mentioning you, you knew you wanted to do it when you were a kid, but it's one of those things, you know, because I can remember watching movies like Jurassic Park and, you know, of course, Star Wars and other movies growing up. And, you know, I'm like, how does someone do that? And you just kind of don't give it a second thought. You're like, ah, it's impossible to do. But now that we're in the, you know, the 2020s and even, you know, dating back to, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the accessibility to make films is much more broad than it it used to be, you know, because even when I was in college, I was like, I still don't really have any idea how I could do it. And then after graduating, I was introduced really to independent films as far as on a bigger scale. And, it seems much more attainable now than, than ever before. So it's, I know with COVID and everything, that's kind of put a, a halt on really any type of production, but still the accessibility to do it now is is fantastic.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's uh, just, everybody's got to walk around with a camera in their pocket. Again, that's another cliche thing that you hear a lot of people say, is, well, you got a camera on your phone and You know, you, you've got it in your pot. You can download an editing app and just do it. Everybody could do it. And so now it's just a, a battle or not even a battle, but kind of a, you know, challenge to see who can do it best, you know? And I, I really do think that's the future is, you know, who can do it best and who can do it for cheap. And I mean, a lot of my friends who make films, they do everything. They do audio, they do cinematography, they do acting, they do writing. I mean, it's, it's really changing, you know, Paul, uh, I think it's Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, on his last movie. He, I don't know if he let him go or if he just decided to, to do the cinematography on, on his own. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's even going into the big leagues where you have these big name directors just kind of taking on more hats and more and more and more stuff. So it's, it is, it's fascinating to see how, you know, things have changed from just one director doing just that directing and then all these other people doing things to now it seems like directors um, are also writers and actors and and all that stuff. So I I think it's really cool to see. Well, I've
0: especially noticed it with short film and that was something that I did want to bring up and I'm kind of jumping a little bit ahead here, but you looking at your IMDB page, I noticed that you wore a lot of different hats for a lot of different projects, whether it's directing writing, editing, acting, cinematography, were these things that like you just wanted to learn everything, or was some of it out of necessity?
1: You know, I think it was probably a little bit of both, for sure. Um, for me, you know, filmmaking was always kind of uh, a one-man band type scenario. When I first kind of got serious about making short films, I didn't really know anyone to lean on. I didn't go to film school. I I have an associate's degree in cinematic arts from a community college. And, uh, I learned a lot of really great things about storytelling and that, but as far as onset stuff, I didn't. So I had to teach myself. And then, you know, it was really just, uh, somebody seeing something I had made and being like, Hey, uh, do you know how to do sound? Yeah, I can record sound. Oh, Hey, do you know how to do cinematography? Yeah before and and again you know starting off with some of my short films in the beginning uh i did everything so um yeah it was it it was kind of out of necessity in the beginning but you know as i've progressed and even now um like lately i've really been getting into cinematography and and just kind of lighting in general and, and how much of a difference lighting can do for your movie than uh and having poor lighting. And so, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of things that I did love researching about and learning about.
0: Well, and that's something that I tell people as well. If you want to work on a set, you know, start out as a PA, but try and learn multiple things because that makes you useful in you know, several different ways. If you learn how to edit or you learn how to work a camera, or you know, you even take acting lessons. And that's something that I've noticed, too, is that someone will start out, and I use actors primarily as this example, but they'll start out as an actor, but they eventually become fascinated with all other aspects of the filmmaking process. You know, like I use Ron Howard for an example. He started as an actor, and now he's one of the greatest directors in Hollywood right now. So I I think learning as much as you can is, is an invaluable thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I cannot agree more. I mean, I I think, too, when you go to work with an editor after directing a film, when you go to, you know, even during production, work with the the sound guy, you know, you for one, you you appreciate it more. You appreciate that position and what goes into it. Um, And it's a lot easier to shrug off the difficulties that they may be experiencing um, because you know yourself. But also, I think they can kind of sense if you know what you're talking about and that, you know, having the respect, especially if you're hiring kind of somewhat strangers to work on your film and you really have no relationship with them outside of making a movie um, or the movie you're about to do. I think when you have a little bit of knowledge, it shows a little bit of respect to them, you know, and it and it allows them to kind of be like, okay, you know, he's not the pro here, but he does know enough to, to kind of help me out and look out for me, you know? And I think that's so important that unity that you can build amongst your crew.
0: Well, and that's the best way to learn also is to be on set. You know, like you, I never went to film school. I have a degree in video broadcasting from a community college that we have here in town, but most of my experiences, I've learned it through, you know, my day job, which I'm fortunate enough to have a job that, that does involve some type of a, a production but the few films that I've worked on those have been where I've learned the most things is you know I learn by doing and watching other people do what they do so that's you know, another thing I tell people is even if you are only on as a PA it means you get to watch everybody do what they do and sometimes that's the best way to learn yeah I, I
1: absolutely agree I'm a doer too. I I can't, I'm very hard to teach in that sense of like, Hey, you do X, Y, Z. Okay. And then you do this. You got it. Okay, cool. And then this, I'm like, okay, X, Y, Z. All right, let me do X, Y, Z. And then you tell me if I'm doing it right. Okay, cool. Now let's move on. So I I have to do it. That's the only way I can learn.
0: It's like, I, that brings up actually a, a fun memory is that, you know, when I first learned how to edit, someone explained to me how to do it, but without actually showing it. And I had no clue what they were talking about. But as soon as they showed <laughs> me how to do it, I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's easy. At least, you know, for me, it was easy. Cause that's, you know, w- personally, one of my favorite things about the filmmaking process is, is editing because it's, you, know, you get to see all the footage and you're kind of like putting the puzzle together, whether it's syncing the audio, adding in the score, if you do color correction, that's part of it too. It's the editing part is, is fascinating to me, but out of all the things that you've done, you have listed directing, writing, editing, acting. Is there a part of the process that you enjoy the most?
1: Yeah. I, you know, I'd have to say, I would say it would be probably editing. I, I, kind of agree with you completely you know the the only difference i would say with editing is editing can be the most rewarding the most fun experience you can have on a film but it can also be the most horrifying (laughs) moment for a film and actually i heard uh martin scorsese say and i think it was in one of his master classes or it's like a preview for his master class or something like that um but he said uh if you get done with your first edit of the movie and you're absolutely scared, um, then that means, uh, you know, you're you're doing a good job or something like that. Or something's wrong if you're not horrified after the first initial edit. And, you know, it's interesting because with editing, it is a moment where you get to see everything come together. um, And with the tent, this this is the first time that I, uh, you know, had an outside editor edit something of mine. And I remember that initial experience. It's like, okay, a different bit person is putting together your vision. So just be patient. And, uh, you know, it, 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 was a little scary at first. Cause I was like, Oh man, this, this is, uh, this is a little different than I thought it was going to be. And then, you know, as we started massaging and working together, I was like, Oh, okay, here we go. And then that real magic, I think that's when the movie magic starts that, that kind of cliche thing that people say is movie magic. Um, it starts in editing. So, yeah, I would say editing is definitely favored the most by me. And I would say that's probably followed closely by writing. Writing is really fun, too.
0: With writing, you get to create the puzzle. And then with editing, you yeah. get to put it back together. So, the, yeah, yeah, I, I would perfect. agree with you. The, the writing is something that, you know, I personally am still still working on but it, it is a fun process to create the environment and the characters and you know everything that you see on screen if you're the writer you know you're like I wrote that dialogue or I wrote that situation so it's it, it's really cool to see you know from from different aspects and whatever job you have it, as far as the filmmaking process goes when you watch the final product you're like you know what that that was that was all worth it the long, long hours were all worth it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that is, you're absolutely right with the, the writing it's, it's, you know, you build the puzzle and then editing you're putting the puzzle together. You know, it's, it's almost like you're building the pieces and then, you know, that last process. And, you know, it is, uh, I've heard said as well, you know, that editing is kind of the final writing stage because that's when you decide what works and what doesn't work and what hits the floor and what stays. So, You know, that is kind of editing in a lot of ways is very similar to writing. It's almost, I would say, it's the most similar thing in filmmaking to writing is editing. So,
0: yeah. I could not agree more. So you mentioned The Tent. So, uh, you know, this primary reason why you're here is to talk about this was actually your first uh, feature film that you did. So yep. how, how was the difference preparing for this as opposed to, you know, a short that you had done? You know, obviously everything's on a bigger scale when it comes to a feature, but what were some of the big differences in the preparation process for The Tent?
1: You know, I think the biggest difference was just the amount of writing. Um, you know, with a short film and, and the writing process and, you know, I, I had worked with somebody for quite some time and writing and they, they primarily did all the writing and I just kind of would come in at the end and like read through it and make some edits or, or what have you. But, um, you know, this, this was, uh, you know, I did this kind of writing process on my own, uh, until the end, I had a little bit of help, uh, towards the end and I'll talk about that later. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think with, this just the writing is so much more you know with a short film it's kind of like you know if you make a 15 minute to even 30 minute film you're looking at you know uh, they say well page translates to a minute, roughly um and so 30 pages tops this is you know you're writing 100 120 pages and you're going through it over and over to the point almost where you're kind of sick of it um and you know you just trying to mine it and make it better and, and add in things or take away things. And so um, the preparation, I think, is uh, is really in the writing. That's the main difference. And then I would say, you know, the other parts of it is, you know, insurance. It was short films that I had shot in the past. I didn't really think about insurance. I didn't really think about, you know, getting a whole lot of permission to shoot in certain locations because we'd be there for maybe 30 minutes. Um, so you could get away with a lot more. With this, you have a much bigger crew, you know, you you you're hiring tons of different people because I hey, think one of the biggest revelations that I had was um script supervisor. And you know, the huge thing about that, I had never used one prior. Um and you know when you're shooting something that's, you know, ends up being an 80 minute film versus a 15 minute film, you know, you have to be so careful on those consistencies because you will come back to shoot the same scene the next day. Um, and so, you know, hiring a script supervisor, kind of keeping everything in line, keeping, you know, the, the stuff on set at the same place, they take pictures, you know, it depends who you hire, but, um, you know, it's, it's just, um, I think that that was a whole nother thing that I didn't even think about until somebody had mentioned, uh, you know, have you thought about a script supervisor and here's what you should. So, you know, I, I think it, it really between the writing and, and kind of bringing on a script supervisor to make sure that everything gets done. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think that, that was the biggest thing. It was just the amount of, of preparation is so much more uh, than a short film was, at least for me in the past.
0: Well, I think any time that you can bring on someone to allevi- alleviate other stresses and other jobs, because you know, as a director your job should be focusing on the performances. And I'm sure you know with other things that you had to do, bringing on a script supervisor and having one less thing to worry about because they're taking care of other issues that otherwise you would have taken care of had to have definitely helped when it came to that.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. And I I think you, you raise a good point. You know, a director needs to focus on one, maybe two things tops, you know, the, the performances and then maybe the, the visual style, you know, where you put your camera on and how you tell your story visually. And, you know, the more hats you have to wear, the more it takes away from that. And I think uh, up until this, this point, I didn't realize, I didn't have that freedom before. You know, um, I shot a documentary probably a couple years ago, uh, 17, I think. And uh, I literally was running around with a camera, uh, hooked to a boom mic with a microphone, hooked to a stabilizer, and, you know, just racking focus. My It was crazy it was absolutely crazy and i'm like i don't know how i did this and uh you know it it was i couldn't even think about like am i getting everything i just got everything and i i really burned myself out and i'm a huge champion for you know work-life balance and i think that when you choose to take on everything yourself um It's it's going to burn you out quickly. And that creative energy that you had in the beginning that inspired you to make the movie, it goes away really quickly when you end up wearing too many hats. So um, I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Absolutely. So what what was the inspiration behind the story for this movie?
1: You know, the inspiration came from a couple different places. Uh, The the first place that it came from was A Nightmare, really as simple as that. Um, You know, I had heard of people keeping, like, dream journals and nightmare journals or stuff like that. And um, I'm more apt (laughs) to have nightmares than I am dreams, um, simply because I genuinely just enjoy kind of the horror, sci-fi, thriller genre. And, um, and so it's funny, I I have these nightmares that maybe some people would consider nightmares, but I kind of, you know, they don't scare me too much anymore, but I had this very vivid, uh, kind of nightmare. And, uh, it was, I was like in a tent and I was jumping from tent to tent. I had to get out of the tent and run because these creatures were coming after me. And, uh, and I just remember like waking up the next day and telling my wife about the dream and. She was like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." You know, she hadn't heard it. Or she had heard stuff like that before um, from me, and didn't think twice about it. But it just didn't escape my mind. I just remember thinking, like, "Man, I can't let go of this." And uh, and then it really, I was like, "Man, I'd love to write a story that revolves around something similar to that." Um, and then I just started writing, and. Uh, uh, Then I kind of started thinking up of scenarios as I got, I got kind of lost a little bit in my writing and I started thinking, okay, like, well, where is this going? What, what is the story here? So I stopped everything and, uh, and I just kind of like, for me I try to find the emotional thing that's going to attach me to it. Like what, why, what is going to keep me interested in this telling this story? And it has to be emotional for me. And so um, really, I think for most of us, we don't have to dig too far to know what, you know, things have emotionally scarred us in our lives. And so I found something that was very prevalent and um, and big for me. And so I kind of attached that emotional beat to the story. And then it really, that's when it just took on a life of its own. And in a lot of ways, like people may say this, but genuinely, it just started writing itself. And, uh, and it was just, I felt like, uh, like I was on cloud nine the whole time because I was just like, oh my gosh, I can pull from this and this and this. And I'm not, I'm purposefully not mentioning what that thing was from my patch just because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But, um, but yeah, I, I, found an emotional beat that I attached to and, uh, it really helped me kind of, uh, progress through the script at, a much more creative
0: pace. That's got to be a great feeling. And you, you mentioned the term, the script almost writes itself because it, in the writing process, you can hit writer's block and you get so frustrated because you don't know where to take the story. So the the fact hearing, you know, that it was almost kind of writing itself is, is great to hear. And it's funny because a, as I was watching it, it felt like I was watching like a nightmare that I would have. So it's interesting that you, you say you pulled the story from that.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me was just putting people in the, the, the seat of David, who is the main character in the film. And so, you know, the editing was influenced by that. The cinematography was influenced by that. The You know, everything was essentially influenced by him and what's going on with him, you know, in the film. And so, Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, very much, um, you know, without saying anything, you know, he he is experiencing a nightmare in in a certain kind of way. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, I I take that as a compliment.
0: (laughs) The interesting thing about the film to me is that, and, and one of the reasons why I wanted to watch it is because, Horror and thriller type of movies aren't really my thing. You, know, I can, just, <laughs> I can distinctly remember as a kid, ma- my aunt made me watch Leprechaun, and it freaked me out. So it kind of turned me off of anything horror related. And it's you know going back and watching that now, it's more like a comedy than a horror. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, it scared me away from that genre for a while. And then through you know doing this podcast and dabbling into filmmaking myself has given me more of an appreciation for it. So that was one of the reasons why, you know, I really wanted to watch this film. But what I liked about it is that at its core, it actually has a very intimate story. And I don't want to give away like the details of what that intimate story is, but it goes in directions that you do not expect. And typically, that does happen with Horror films. There's always some type of twist that you don't see coming, but this one I really did not see coming. So I I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I thought the two, the two uh, characters, David and Mary, I thought they played off each other very well. You know, I I love this. You know, the the majority of the movie is revolved around them, and their dynamic, and you watch it develop throughout the film, and that's to me the core of what makes filmmaking great is the dynamic between characters and that's what i enjoyed the most about this movie
1: well thank you i appreciate that yeah it means a lot there's a lot of uh, hard work that went into you know the whole film as a total so hearing that in general is is always you know it's certainly flattering and and it's appreciated you know because it is blood sweat and tears that goes into this and you know, those, I know those actors, Tim and Lulu, um, who played David and Mary, they worked really hard on on really developing kind of who they were in relation as people, first off, to those characters, and then, you know, what would their dynamic be like. So I know that they will be very happy to hear you say that. Um, and, you know, I think with those two characters in the film, you know, it was, it was a matter of kind of, you know, taking two people that were the opposites, you know, that always breeds good conflict. But, you know, putting them in a scenario where, you know, they just they they have to figure it out. Um, And, you know, again, uh, you know, without going into too much. And and I'm kind of realizing, um, as I've done a couple interviews, that I kind of made a film where it's really tough to discuss it. Uh, without giving too much away but um, but I can say with those two characters they definitely you know uh, uh, they don't see eye to eye and and that was I think that was some of the most fun in in writing dialogue was just trying to figure out you know who who they were to each other more than anything Um, so yeah I, I definitely appreciate those words
0: no, absolutely, and I think, you know, that always makes the most interesting dynamic between characters is when they don't get along, but in a way they have to in order to get through whatever it is that they're going through, you know, whatever the situation might be. But no, I, I personally really enjoyed the movie, and, and I was I was happy to watch it. I, like I said, I love the, the dynamic between the characters. I thought they told a great story. You know, I love the, the little... Attention to detail, and there's one that I want to bring up, but I won't because it kind of gives away what happens. But there, I'll just say there are things that are cut into the movie with little details that I really liked. So little, little, little attention to detail, things like that. You know that you know some people might not catch. I I really love, like I love the little nuances of what's put into a movie, and, and I I caught quite a few of those with this so that that was that was that made it for a fun viewing
1: yeah and and there was definitely you know i the cool thing and we were kind of talking about writing before is you know i wrote this and then you know a whole nother layer that was added to it in production was just set design and props and um You know, then, of course, a whole nother layer that's added to it an editing. How do you edit things? How are you cross-cutting? What are are you doing? How are you telling the story the best with the editing? And then, you know, not to sound redundant, but a whole nother layer is sound design, you know, and and what more stuff can we add in there with sound design? So, you know, all all those different layers kind of coming together, and, and, you know, I I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention Pierre's... uh, score in the film you know the little stories that he was telling with that score and um you know all those things kind of blending together to kind of add that idea of detail and uh you know i I will have to say uh there uh, i purposefully included and you know movies do this all the time including symbolism but um i probably symbolism overloaded uh the movie just because I love that so much in in other movies. And uh, I think I was reading an article about Get Out, um, Jordan Field movie that came out uh, a few years ago. And it was like the top 20 things you missed in this movie. And then it's like, you know, just layer after layer after layer of symbolism that, you know, you're just so entranced by the story that you miss these little tiny details that he put into the film. And, uh, and, you know, I was really inspired by that. And I thought to myself, you know, um, you know, I really want to do that with the tent. I really want to put little tiny details that maybe you people will miss, you know, maybe there are things that people won't draw a connection to. Um, but it's there and I know it's there. And so, um, yeah, there, there's, you know, we had a whole spoiler conversation about this. I, I would love to, you know, tell you all about, you know, some of the things that I put in there that I know for sure people are going to miss. Um, but for me as a filmmaker, I just loved putting it in there because, you know, I knew, I kind of know what it means. Um, yeah. You know, and that, that's enough for me.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. No, symbolism, symbolism's fantastic. Throughout the process of you making this movie, what was the biggest lesson that you learned? Being as this was your first feature, what was the biggest lesson that you took away from making this movie?
1: Um, you know, it's a great question. Um, I think there was a few lessons. I think the biggest lesson was uh, take your time. You know, uh, really take your time there were scenes in this movie that i really wish i could have spent a lot more time with um kind of developing from a from a you know production standpoint uh you know and and that's that's really just budget you know every time i i kind of think about the next film or or the the film after that and i think like okay man i'd like a i'd love to have a bigger budget and people are like well you know, what would you spend it on? You know, I thought the movie looked pretty good and it's like, well, you know, budget's not necessarily just about, uh, you know, and and perhaps this is the the bigger lesson I learned. Budget is not necessarily just about, you know, getting the best cinematographer or the best actors or the best, you know, I mean, those things obviously are, you want to have those things, but it's also about time, you know, uh, we shot in about 14 days and um you know bigger budget means you have more time and and so let's say we had you know twice the amount of budget whatever that is um then then we have twice the amount of time that we can shoot these scenes for and it's still the same like movie but now you just have instead of 14 days you have almost 30 days to shoot the movie and that gives you a lot more time to focus and, and that's what i try to tell people who are making a film for the first time that they're, they're saying you know um oh we're going to shoot our movie in 10 days or we're going to shoot our movie in 15 days and i say hey man listen um take your time really take your time uh you i guarantee you the more time if you take more time you will not regret it if you take less time there because there's a possibility for regret so you know i i think that that was probably the biggest lesson is just time take your time to, to develop it and and really um, sit with it on set and sit with your actors and really like explore scenes, you know, and as cheesy as that sounds, it, it's so important. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just really take your time.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's very well said. And no one's ever really talked about, you know, of the people that I've had on the show, no one's ever really mentioned Taking your time when it comes to to doing a film, whether it's a short or a feature. So now that was that was fantastic advice.
1: I actually I shot a short film after uh, the the I made the tent because um, I shot this back 2017, and so I shot the tent in 14 days, and then with that short film I I sh- I took it was like 13 minutes long, and I took four days to shoot it. And people were like, man, it's a 13-minute movie. Why are you shooting in four days? And I was like, it's going to give us time to kind of sit down and really feel it out. And I cannot tell you how good it felt um, to really just have all that time. And, and like, it gave us also time to get to know one another. And, you know, we weren't wasting too much time just gabbing. We were really just spending time getting comfortable with each other and letting the actors get to know each other. And It was really good, and I was – Oh, man, I was so proud of some of these scenes in this short film because I was like, man, we have so much time to just kind of feel it out and feel what, you know, what it's like. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's just another way of reiterating what I had said before. But um, but, yeah, it felt really good.
0: I'll have to remember that for my next short, Taking My Time. That's great advice. So what, um, so what's next for you now that, you know, the, as you said, the, the tent is, is complete. You worked on another short. Do you have any other things uh, that you have in the works that you want to talk about?
1: Um, you know, I, I think right now, uh, I, I also have a day job, um, and I'm you know also blessed to, to do video production, um, for my day job too. So I do a lot of video for nonprofits, for nonprofit and, uh, And so, yeah, just really kind of doing my nine to five. And then uh, I'm actually in the process of writing my next feature film. And I won't say too much, you know, because it's still kind of finding itself. But um, it's definitely going to be kind of psychological in a similar fashion that The Tent is. A lot more grounded than The Tento. Um, And, you know, I'm definitely going to be working with uh, Tim Kaiser, who was the lead and the executive producer of The Tent. So, yeah, that's that's really it for right now.
0: Fantastic. Well, in closing, do you have any website or social media that you want to plug so the listeners can follow you?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not on social media personally. Uh, I kind of live vicariously through my wife's social media stuff. Um, but we do have social media for The Tent. It's Survive The Tent. And you just look that up on Facebook and you'll find this or The Tent Movie. Um, we're also on Instagram uh, as the Tent Movie, and then um, we have a really cool website. It's called it's uh, www.survivethetent.com, and we put tons of Easter eggs on there. And also, if you go to that website, you can uh, check out. Uh, if you go under the tab that says Watch the Movie, um, you can see all the different places that's available to rent or to buy right now.
0: Fantastic. Well, Tim, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. This was an awesome chat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. And I'm, I'm glad that shows like yours exist. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I learned a lot about filmmaking through shows like this, so uh, I'm always happy to be a part of it.
0: No, absolutely. I, I appreciate the support. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Podcast. If you want to check out past episodes of the show, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. And, of course, thank you to the Unicorn Wranglers for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of The Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.